You're listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast, a discussion with engaging, empowering, and enlightening leaders about the greatest competitive advantage in business and entrepreneurship that often goes unrecognized, a team's energy. Here's your host, the woman who puts the energy in Synergy, Karen R. Jenkins. And welcome to this segment of Synergy Leadership. I am so honored and just excited to have our special guest join us today. Henrietta Baskins has a plethora of experience in a multitude of areas from corporate to nonprofit, just in, in numerous ways. And she's such an integral part of our community. I am excited to have you here, Henry, and I don't want to belabor this. I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Karen, thank you. I am delighted to be here uh, talking with you today. Uh, we've had this on our plate for a while, and it's happening. Yay. Um, as you said, I've been around a while, uh, and with that comes age, but it comes a lot of experience and a lot of things that uh, you've gone through. I've seen transition from um, women and people of color uh, trying to make it through the corporate world and make it in, in the business world to some very great successes for people of color in both business and, and in the, the corporate world. So yes, I've, I've been around. I started my career uh, as an operator, uh, director assistance, may I help you, <laughs> uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I did that for, uh, for a while because I was going to the College of Charleston. And I did those, worked those crazy, crazy split tours, you know, three hours in the morning and come back five hours late and work four more hours. And uh, but the College of Charleston was right across the street. So uh, what that afforded me was the opportunity to work um, and, and to uh, come back to the company and study and then go uh, uh, back to school and then come back to work. Uh, so it was it was fun times. Um, it was interesting times because, as I said, I started as an operator. And back then, the only thing you could get was a job as a woman of color is a job either serving in the cafeteria or working as an operator. Um, so I chose operator services and that was fun. What I found out was I was very uh, technically inclined, did not know that, uh, technically inclined. I, um, the services, uh, the operator services board would break down at night when we work, when I work uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, it would break down, you call the technicians and they were somewhere sleeping in a corner, okay? They never came. Uh, so I would crawl up under the switchboard and, and see what was going on and fix it. Um, one of the gentlemen uh, there at the time, one of the technicians, the lead technician, his name was Red Thornton and, and he was called Red for a reason. Uh, he was from Boston, short guy with bright red hair and freckles on his face. And he said, Henry, you, you're technical. You need to apply for a technical job. I said, yeah, right. Um, but after about a year of him telling me that I applied for it, um, that it was some interesting things about that. Um, the company and I didn't see eye to eye. They told me I didn't pass the test. Um, 
and the test was really mainly math. Well, guess what was my favorite subject? Math. math. <laughs> so I knew I passed it then. And they would not let me um, see my test. They just said, you didn't, you didn't make it. There was a lady, and I'll never forget her. I, I thought she was the meanest thing going, right? A little, uh, she used to rinse her hair blue. Um, a little short Caucasian lady in the employment office with blue rinsed hair. And everybody thought she was mean. She, she was just cruel and mean. She called me and she said, ask them again to let you see the test. She says, you passed that test with flying colors. Now, this is a woman, a white woman, who I thought was mean. I thought she was prejudiced. I, she didn't like Black people. She called me. So that tells you how you can, um, you know, miscategorize people, how right, you can right. take someone's personality and make and make a whole lot of things out of it mm -hmm. that's not there. Uh, so I called them back and I says, hey, you're going to show me my test. Um, and they says, well, we'll get back to you. Well, two weeks later, I was told I got the job. I never saw my test. <laughs> never saw my test results. <laughs> Uh, so I got promoted, um, and back then, there were no women, uh, and there were no Blacks on the technical side of the company uh, in all of South Carolina. Uh, so uh, they sent me to an office in North Charleston. Uh, it was called the Lamb's office. It was right up near the Air Force Base, and I'm up there, and nobody talked to me at all. None of the guys in the office, there was four other guys in the office. They didn't send me to school. Nobody talked to me. It was, uh, what were I supposed to do? They paid me, so I sat back there and read the bell system practice. That's all I could do. They wouldn't. They didn't tell me what pieces of equipment to use, nothing. Um, after about a year of that, I got sick of it. And I said, somebody needs to tell me something. And so they let me come in on um, to get some preliminary training after a year, mind you, because now they wanted me to work on Saturdays. Uh -huh. So the guys could, could be on Saturday. So uh, I had every Saturday, I did have some training. And one Saturday, um, the water department cut the cable leading to the Air Force Base. Uh, and that ticked off uh, the military guys up at the Charleston Air Force Base. And they came banging on the door saying that they had all sorts of equipment down, that I needed to help them. And I'm going, help you? <laughs> I can barely, I can barely turn the switch on. But anyway, what, uh, long story short, what happened was all those, that long year of reading the practice, I did know what I was doing. I'd never done it, but I knew it. I read the practice. I knew what the practice said. Uh, and we rerouted the traffic and went um, up to Somerville, back across the West Ashley, downtown, and back up to us that way to give him, him service. Well, this guy did me, and I think he may have been a, a colonel. I, I don't know. He was an officer, high-ranking officer. Um, he knocked on the door again once his service got up, and he's standing there, and there's a news crew there. Oh, wow. uh, and he was saying, this little lady here helped to help me, you know, and I'm saying, wide-eyed, oh my gosh, I'm on TV, <laughs> I'm on TV, um, but that then got the attention of the higher-ups in, in, in the company, that this woman helped 
this the Air Force because they had some planes that were sort of stranded in the air, training flights that were were um, stranded. Um, uh, and so therefore, all of the management in, in Charleston came running up to me and said, oh my, what? And I said, you know, I've never been trained. I said, you've never been trained. Yo, you know, I've never been trained. You never signed the paperwork for me to get trained. Um, and from then on, the world was my oyster. Uh, I got all the training I needed. But then I found out too that once you get to work with people and get to know them individually and rather than clump them in categories, um, you, you, um, you find out that not everybody's the way you think that they are. Right. Uh, I got, I had good friends, those guys that didn't talk with me, they finally let their hair down. And um, some of those guys and I became very, very good friends. And that was my um, foray into the technical side of the company. And I stayed in that side of the company for 20 years. Um, from the electronic switch to the, the digital switch to fiber optics, finally moved up here to Columbia on a promotion in management uh, and, and got several other promotions after I was here in, in Columbia. But all along, I, I found out that there are people who have preconceived ideas and notions mm -hmm. about what a woman could do, what a person of color uh, could, could do or capable of. And you can take that and um, be resentful uh, and not put forth your best effort. Um, or you can take that and says, I'm, I'm going to show you. Uh, and I had to do it two different ways. I'm going to show you because I know that I know what the technology is. But also, I had to start building relationships with the same people I knew did not like me mm. for reasons they didn't even know why they didn't like me. Uh, and finally built some relationships. Um, I, I'll go back and tell you, I was a very introverted person. I know people say that can't, can't be true, <laughs> very much so. But that experience caused me to get out of my shell. If this is what you want to do with your life, then you're not going to do it shying away. You're going to have to be more upfront. And how do you do that? One day at a time, one smile at a time, one hello at a time. One, can I help you at a time? Can I lend assistance? Can you help me with this? One day at a, at a time. Uh, and it was a long process. It wasn't overnight. It was a long process. And I came out of that and it was great. My um, last few years after I left the technical side, I said, this was uh, corporate America does, right? You have experience and, and you're trained in something and you're very good at it. Well, what the company did back then was the next promotion up, uh, you were put in for and, and you were offered. Well, the next promotion up after maybe the second or third promotion up here in Columbia uh, was on the, what I call the soft side of the business. And I'm saying, no, the switch does not talk back to me. It does what I program it to do. These people, however, you know, I became the uh, legislative liaison for the company, working with um, the contract lobbyists uh, over at the state house. Um, also working with the folks in Atlanta that controlled some of our public policy issues. Uh, that also stretched me. 
uh, and made me get out of my shy bag. Uh, couldn't carry that bag with me any longer. I needed a new one. Uh, and things happened from there. I got to meet a lot of people. I got, the door was open for me to meet a lot of people in Columbia. Karen, that's when I first heard about you from my being on the public side of, of um, corporate Bell South slash AT&T. Uh, my journey was um, it's an interesting one. It was, um, I look back now and I see the fun times, but believe me, there were times when it wasn't, it wasn't too much fun. So that's me in a nutshell with my career. That is, a, corporate, you yeah. know, it, it's a phenomenal story, Henry. And I know as you and I have met and, and, and grown to know each other well, and I was very impressed with that story. And to see back then a single African-American Black female in a predominantly white male technical environment, but to see you not only survive, but thrive. And it, for, it, it was self-leadership. You had to conduct what we all look at in our synergy leadership model of okay. self-leadership. You were not going to be, you know, mentally beaten down or allow stuff that you didn't have getting in the way of what you needed to do. So I, I have always admired you anyway, but to hear the story of, of some of the things that made you the woman and leader that you are. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, and, and, and let me back up because I, I need the audience to understand, and I apologize for not mentioning this earlier, your current title is Executive Vice President of the Chamber of Commerce, the Columbia Chamber of Commerce. Yes. You have held the Executive Director position at the Greater Columbia Relations Council. And your position before you retired from AT&T was? A, a director, regional director. A regional director. So you have been in leadership roles for a while. And I know you mentioned in sharing your, your story, building relationships. And for somebody that's an introvert, share with us a little bit about how you went about building relationships and how you leverage that into your current role as the executive vice president of the chamber. Yeah, that's... Um... For someone who is shy, introverted, uh, quiet, um, it is not something that comes natural. So I have to, I made up in my mind, today I am going to talk to three people. Um, I'm going to have a conversation with three people. Some days I knew who the three uh, persons would be. Some days it was, okay, you're going to find three people to talk to. But I, and I graded myself at night on how well I did. Cause there were days when I had to push through um, and I'd see someone, I'd see an expression on their face. Um, and I'm saying, oh gosh, I'm not talking to him. Uh, I'm not talking to her. And I'd come home and angry with myself because I did push through um, and start up a conversation or I didn't go to a particular meeting because I felt like uh, I was not gonna be accepted in that, that meeting. That was mainly me, my mindset 
uh, judging me, putting me in a box. Those people probably did not have uh, those thoughts, but really it didn't matter whether they had the thoughts or not. It's what you do with yourself. And you're quite right. I had to push through. Um, once I got the hang of it, um, so a, a friend of mine once told me, says, once you found your way out of that box, you've never returned. <laughs> you're, you're not quiet about anything anymore. <laughs> but once I got the hang of it, um, uh, and I had retired from AT&T by that time, um, and understood what my role was, knew I wanted to do something different. Um, corporate world is definitely offering services and products for the bottom line of the corporation. I wanted to do something different that would help me help the community I, I lived in. So uh, my husband uh, passed away and I was home for a while and the opportunity uh, came knocking in at the door in the form of a woman by the name of Karen Jenkins. Uh, and I think the first time you asked my, I said, I don't, I'm not sure about this. Well, she would not <laughs> go. Um, and I thought about it. I said, well, maybe, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll apply. And when I applied, um, during the interview process, I just knew they weren't going to choose me. Uh, they asked some questions and I'm saying, well, in my opinion, blah, blah, blah. This is what you should be doing. I said, well, they're going to kick you out of here. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Karen called and said, you know, I like what you said. You're right. Those are some of the things that we've been thinking with the directions we need to go in as, as well. Please accept this, this role. Uh, and really it was more, I was on the fence. Honestly, I, I really was on the fence. I just sit home, uh, do some traveling. Uh, Karen wouldn't let me. And I said, well, maybe this would be a good thing. And, and I'm glad I did. That was five years that was really taking an organization that had run into some difficult times, but it was a key organization and still is in this community under the right leadership that could come back to its former glory. Yeah, times had changed. Times changed, but we know a lot of the situations hadn't changed. Um, the package it was in changed, but the product in the package was still the same. So we still needed to do some things in our community to make sure that our community was a, a great place for everyone in the community, not just some, uh, but that everyone. Is, that is so true. So there, there's one caveat that you left out of your what deal or your, of your package. But... Um, you know, this is a nonprofit. I was serving as the chair at the time. So when I called to make the offer, Henry said, after she thought about it, I would, I would, I would accept the position under one caveat, mm -hmm. Karen. Oh, yes. I would come if you were able to remain in the chair position for a second term, which was unprecedented. I don't recall that ever happening with this agency or organization before. And the board agreed. So I, I had the blessing, and it was a blessing for me, Henry, to uh, not only be on the search committee to bring you in, but to also have the opportunity to work with you and see it up front and personal, you know, your gifts and talents uh, spreading, 
uh, all of the, 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 the expertise that you had across the agency. And at the bottom, you know, the bottom line was that you positively impacted our community and you continue to do so. And from Karen, there- it was a pleasure for me to work with you. Oh, I think we you. made a great team. I, I we, think we, we, we do, we yeah. do, we do. Yes, ma'am, uh, we, we We worked well together. We made some changes that, um, and we said, I think we had the opportunity to set the organization, was leaning a little, uh, and to set it right. And now it's, I, I believe, it's in a position where it could really do what it was created to. Yes, so definitely. thank you for, but thank you for forcing me to see <laughs> what I could do. I appreciate it. So we appreciate what you did and for you saying yes. And so your, 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 I'm gonna call it your third chapter, right? Yes. <laughs> Went from a nonprofit on the, you know, on the, let me call it social community perspective to the business side. And now you're serving as the executive vice president of the Columbia Chamber. So I'm gonna ask you two questions around the chamber. Mm -hmm. um, from our audience's perspective, what advantages could they gain from being a part of a chamber and, and specifically the Columbia Chamber? And then the second thing I wanna talk about is a program that has been launched in January for minority business owners in our community. So let's start with the first question. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of small business, especially minority business, um, feel for whatever reason that anything in the majority community is not gonna be to my benefit. Uh, I would challenge them to, to rethink that. Um, if you wanna grow, if you want to become the best business you can be, I, I think you owe it to yourself and to the people who work for you or uh, depend on, on support from, from you to widen your horizon. You do that by uh, joining an association like, like a chamber. And the reason for that is it gets you exposure. Um, yes, you can serve the minority community and that's great. But to grow the pie, to create wealth for you and the generations to come after you, I would hope that you have in mind that in order for me to do that, I want to be able to um, have money comes, come into my company that causes me to grow, that I can create a larger pie, wealth pie for those around me. A chamber can help you do that. A chamber also gives you information on things going on in the community that you might not hear of. You might not hear of it in your community, but sitting around a chamber board or in a chamber networking meeting or meeting someone else that's a member of that chamber and having that kind of relationship. You may hear of things that would open a door for um, something for you that could cause your business to grow, cause you to grow as a CEO of a business. Um, there is such a wealth of information there from the standpoint of creating wealth for yourself and bettering yourself as a CEO or a business owner. Don't pass it up because you, I think wrongly assume that is all majority community. It is not. 
And if you don't have a seat at the table, and that's where the table is, if you don't have a seat in the table at the table, then you won't be able to eat from the wealth that's at that table. So join organizations like Chambers, there are other organizations as well, but I'm particular about the Columbia Chamber of Commerce because I think we're doing a great um, work now to make sure that the minority community feel like the Columbia Chamber is on their side. Uh, we wanna see you grow because when you grow, your community grow. And when your community grow, communities around you grow and we become a wealthier community. That uh, well said, well said. You know, you know, one of the things that I think Tony Robbins says is that proximity is power. Yes. And if you're not in proximity, you don't have access to the power. I'll tell you one other lesson that I learned, and this I think I learned from Ron Harvey, who's also a member of the chamber and on the executive board. You know, in 27, 2007, when I first got laid off and opened up my first business, I joined the chamber. You know, they came to the door and I was like, okay, yeah, let's join the chamber. Got my little plaque and back in the day they gave us plaques mm -hmm. and I was so excited and then the year went by I think I might have attended a couple of breakfast events and something else a year went by and then I thought about it and I was like mm, you know what did I get for that whatever amount of money I spent at that time and I, I decided not to to rejoin and then I met Ron and Ron you know, I love to learn from a distance, showed me that it's not about joining and having your name on the roll. Mm -hmm. It's about engaging. Yes. It's about working. And it's not, for me, that lesson taught me that it's not who I know, it, it's who knows me. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can get somebody to know you is by getting involved in your chamber, getting involved in the trade association, getting involved, whatever group you're going to get involved in. And that requires some work. Yeah. You know, you might have to serve on a committee, you might have to serve on a board, you might have to do some other work, but it all pays off in the end because one, you're positively impacting your community, the organization itself, but when you have your hand out and you're able to help other people, it always comes back to you in some form. Not that that's why you're doing it, but it always comes back in some form. So I, I wanted to share that with the audience that it's not about getting your name on a roll. It's really about how you can serve. And I think it's Dr. Lewis Lynn, one of my mentors says, you have to pay your civil rent. And that's one of the ways that you can pay your civil rent. I like that. I like that. Yes. So Henry, tell us about a program that the Columbia Chamber has brought in to support our minority and women-owned businesses uh, in our community. Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm very excited about this program. It's called the uh, Minority Business Accelerator. It's the Midlands Minority Business Accelerator. Um, the program has been in existence for a while in the state, in, in Greenville. In fact, Greenville in September, I believe, will celebrate 10 years. Um, we had, I had been looking at something like this, did not know Greenville had the program, um, heard about the program, started looking around, and uh, one thing led to another, we got busy, did not um, push forward with it. Um, and then we talked with um, the, our CEOs, the three CEOs, Greenville, Charleston, and uh, Columbia CEOs, and my CEO is Carl Blackstone, got together um, and had an offer from Bank of America to do a, um, a, a statewide 
MBA program called the South Carolina Minority Business Accelerator. Uh, Charleston did not have one and neither did Columbia. So we met, uh, talked with Greenville, formed a partnership. Um, the Bank of America said that they would uh, seed fund it for three years, um, give startup money. Um, it wouldn't be all that it takes to run the program, but it would at least get the program start started. Uh, they did that. We formed the program. And now it's going like gangbusters. And I'm glad to say that Karen is the chair of the Minority Business uh, Accelerator um, Advisory uh, Council that helps us uh, fine tune this program so it can be the best that it can be. The program is about taking business owners and having business owners, um, Karen likes to say, rather than continually work in your business, now learn how to work on your business, becoming the CEO of your business. Um, over the country where this program has been uh, in place for over 20 years, the program has seen uh, companies grow uh, 30, 35% year over year. The average is 30% uh, year over, over year. Greenville is close to that, high 20s. The businesses that go through there year after year grow about um, 29, 28%, some 30% each, each year. And it is a deep dive. It's a one-year program, and it's a deep dive. It covers everything from financial management to marketing from a CEO's perspective. What you need to do to learn how to have those working in your company help you grow your company. Uh, Karen, it, it's been um, exciting. In fact, we had um, uh, lesson number eight uh, yesterday. Uh, the class is, is um, really beginning to absorb what we're saying. Uh, they are doing quite well. I'm excited for them. There's a tremendous growth in our class, and you'll be hearing more about that, uh, Karen, personally soon. Uh, but I would challenge anyone out there. If you have a business, uh, if you have someone who can work with you in your business, because it, it takes time away from your business, you need to be working on your business away from your business. So someone that has to be there for you in your business. It can't be a one-man shop, and I apologize for that, but it just can't be. Uh, and if you can do that, uh, then this is a program that would be well worth your while, help you see where you can go, how high you can go with your business. Not only do you go through the one-year training, but for three years after graduation, we follow you. Uh, we have meetings with you uh, and we ask you to share some of your uh, successes with us. Um, we have some of our coaches look at the things that you've done and offer advice. Um, so we wanna keep you on track because there are a lot of businesses that can do much better than what you're doing now, but you don't know how. You've not even heard of some of the things. I've heard comments in, in the meetings that we have and training sessions that we have. Um, someone says, well, why didn't I think of that? People in, in the class, um, they have a yearly um, gross income 
from 200,000 to 3 million. Uh, and so you see, it's a broad spectrum, but a CEO's mindset is a CEO's mindset, whether you're making $200,000 a year or whether you're making $3 million a year. Uh, so teaching you how to work on your business. Uh, we are going to open up uh, session two for 2023. Uh, next month, we'll have applications on our website. I ask that you please keep that in mind. We will also send out notices um, letting the general business community know that um, year two of the Midlands Minority Business Accelerator uh, will be open for application. Henry, that is awesome. The content of what you shared is so valuable. And, and for our listeners um, who may not know, uh, in 2018, I had the opportunity to participate in the SBA's Emerging Leader Program. It was in Charlotte, and I had to drive to Charlotte twice a month mm -hmm. to participate. Uh, very much worth the drive. And from that point forward, I had been advocating with the SBA to bring that program to South Carolina, and specifically Columbia. Uh, years later, they did bring it to South Carolina, but it went to Charleston. And I knew that our ecosystem in Columbia really needed it and would thrive as a result of it. So needless to say, when the Columbia Chamber joined the South Carolina MBA, I was so excited and so elated and knew that I had to participate in some way. So it has been an honor to chair the committee that supports our, our efforts here in Columbia. And I have met the cohort members. They are thriving. They're so exciting. Henry and Lynn Hutto um, under the leadership of Carl Blackstone have done a phenomenal job of pulling this program in and, and launching it. Uh, I know this year is gonna be phenomenal and the next year is gonna be even more phenomenal because you know you can do the yeah. after action reviews and I know there's not gonna be much you need to tweak because this one was a home run in my opinion. And I thank you for all that you do for our community, Henry, for all that you do for the chamber and just oh, wow. you have a legacy that most people will never be able to tell. And I, I, I love you for it. I, I respect you for it. I admire you for it. And just thank you for all you do. Um, we're, we're, we're wrapping up and, and coming to a close. And there are a couple of questions that I, I typically ask our guests at the end. And one would be of everything that you've experienced in your leadership journey. Can you share with us what you're most proud of? Yes, um, I was afforded the opportunity um, many, many years ago of working with women in other countries, in uh, third world countries, um, mainly Africa and Central and South America. And one of the things um, I, I did that I, I it did my heart well, uh, that made me feel like God, you, I'm here for a purpose. Uh, in Africa, we started a um, a woman's work session, uh, and out of that work session uh, in Ghana and Nigeria, Lagos, in and around Lagos, uh, we found out that there are a lot in the interiors of these countries, 
a lot of women with no resource whatsoever. Um, so we, we bought chickens, we bought um, embroidery material, um, thread and, and, and material. And we set up almost like a co-op where these women would come together um, and sew. Uh, they come together and bring the pigs and bring the chickens and um, they would uh, collect the eggs. And we put them on the highway. And a lot of the time, especially when you're in um, Aquabon, some of the, the very rural, uh, we don't really know what rural is, uh, area, um, they were on the highways and they would sell these eggs. And then, um, then we would collect the monies, we'd bring the monies back and we would divide the monies up. These women then had uh, money that they could buy cement and they can buy a uh, cinder block and they can um, uh, put a house up for their kids. A lot of these women were uh, uh, widows because there was a lot of war. In, in that area. And a lot of them had children and no husband, no one to support them. Uh, and women themselves are not supported in those countries. So I am very, very proud of helping with that, that initiative. I later did um, some work over in uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, and you've, sure, Sri Lanka is in the news right, right, right now. And some of the people I work with there uh, at, at the front of what's going on in, in Sri Lanka right now. But I thank God that I had the opportunity to work and see these women pull themselves up. It's not what we did, it's not what Henry did. See them, once they understood what they could do, they took it, they ran with it. And all of the efforts that we made have become really great success for these women there. That that is so outstanding, Henry. And you know the the adage of teaching someone how to fish instead of giving them a fish, because now these ladies will be able to sustain themselves long after your visit is gone. And and I, you know, again, I've I've been around you long enough to know that you make the sacrifices to leave the safety of your home, to fly halfway across the world to support and be there for other people that may not have been as blessed as you are. And I think you set a, a prime example of paying that civil rent, not just for your local community, but for the world. And we, we thank you for that. Um, thank you. Before we, before we go, my final question is, if you could give one piece of leadership advice or any kind of advice to our listeners, what advice would that be? To thine own self be true. Oh, love that. Yeah, you need to love know that. You. you need to know you. Uh, and if you're lying to yourself about you or about the situations around you, you're not going to prosper. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. And I, you know, again, what else, what else can you say to that, right? <laughs> so, Henry, I thank you. Oh, well. For being here out of my heart for all you do. I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. And I hope that you will be open to coming back and doing this again, because I know there's a lot more information that you can share with this audience. Oh, Karen, I'd, I'd love to. It's always great getting together with you. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Thank you. And to our listeners, by all means, again, I hope you've gotten as much out of this as I did. 
uh, follow up with us, go to our Synergy Leadership site to do the Synergy Leadership Assessment at our website, krjconsulting.com. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast with Karen R. Jenkins. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, review, and share our show. See you next time 